You're listening to Jewish Matters with Rabbi Jonathan Feldman. We're at the uh, 10th installment of Genesis Unveiled, Part 2, the in-depth look at Parshat Miketz. And the glaring question that's asked is, why did Nachmanides, uh, Nachmanides asked the question, why did Joseph not let his father, Jacob, know that he was alive? He was exiled to Egypt by his brothers, sold into slavery. But then he became the viceroy, and for seven years of plenty and a couple of years of famine, he simply had to send messengers, you the most powerful man in the world. Surely you could let anyone you wanted to know you were alive and be in contact with them. So the glaring question is, why did Jake, did Joseph not let his father know? And there are four answers, and we're going to look at those four answers. And through looking at the answers, we're going to come to a deeper understanding of the Parsha and of the story. The first answer is, if you look at it very superficially, uh, some people say, well, Joseph was getting back at his brothers. He accused them of being spies. He throws them in jail. Then he keeps one in jail. He demands they bring their brother down. He's just getting them to jump through hoops. But from their reunion, where he falls on uh, Benjamin's shoulders and where he tells the brothers he doesn't hold it against them, it's clear that that cannot be the approach. The second approach is Nachmanides' own answer. And his answer is that Joseph received a prophecy. And the prophecy was a, uh, a private mission that had to be fulfilled. He had to get the brothers to bow down to him. That's why he had to orchestrate Benjamin coming down. And remember, there's two dreams. One dream is that the brothers are going to bow down to him. And then the next one is that his father will. So first he had to get Benjamin without Jacob down. How do you do that? Through uh, the accusation of spies and asking for uh, proof of who they are. And then you bring down Jacob, which would happen eventually. We see, we've seen before that private prophecies are not shared. Uh, when Sarah is told by the visiting angel's guests that she's going to have a child, she laughed. Abraham was told in the end of the previous Parsha. It seems he didn't tell her. because She was in shock and uh, says it kind of can't be possible. Uh, that's one example. Uh, Rivka, when she was told by a prophet that the older brother would serve the younger, Esau would serve Yaakov, why didn't she just tell that to Isaac and uh, have Jacob get the blessings? So we see that private prophecies are not only always shared. Um, it's a possible answer, but it's not very satisfying. Uh, so why did God... Uh, orchestrate it to be that way? What is the meaning behind it? What is the purpose for it? The third answer is that when the brothers threw Joseph into the pit instead of killing him and then sold him off into slavery, they made him swear that he would not tell Jacob what they were doing. That was the price to pay for not killing him. And you'd think, well, they were louses uh, once he's able to you know, do what he has to do. But in the Torah, Oaths are taken very, very severely. So he had to abide by their oath until the brothers eventually went and told Jacob that Joseph was alive. So that's the third answer. The fourth, and the one that resonates most powerfully for me, uh, is the dots that came in Bale Tosfot. And before we get to that, I just to um, 
to reinforce, um, uh, uh, well, the fourth one we're going to share is actually uh, Rabbi Yol Ben Nun. And he says that uh, the possible answer is that Joseph didn't know whether Jacob was in on the plot to banish him from the family or not. Remember, Abraham banished Ishmael. And Isaac eventually gave the blessing of Abraham to Yaakov. And um, so Joseph didn't know the brothers had shown Yaakov the coat. And remember, when Joseph has his dreams, Yaakov uh, rebukes him. Am I and your mother going to bow down to you as well? And then it says his father, Avishamar Sadabar, his father waited to see whether in fact the dreams were true, but Joseph didn't know that. So he went, had no way of knowing what Jacob's feelings were. Some people say Jacob maybe could have made an effort to, to, to send a messenger to Egypt and try and find Yosef, which apparently he didn't do. And, um, and that's also why he wanted to bring down Benjamin to rescue Benjamin from the other brothers. That's why he gave Benjamin more gifts. Uh, he was afraid he was being mistreated by the brothers. And so this is one approach, uh, which also has some weight to it. But, um, oh, and the other evidence of this approach is that when he names his son Menashe, because God has helped me to forget my father's house. Why would he want to forget his father's house if he didn't feel rejected from even perhaps his father? So this is an approach, but um, I'd like to share the one which for me resonates most strongest. And that is one of the Dots that came in. And their approach is to say this. What would have happened if Joseph had sent messengers to Yaakov to let him know he, would be, he was alive? Think about it. You're Joseph's brothers. You sold your brother down into slavery, whatever, 12, 14 years ago. Um, 18 years ago, you name it. You sold him down into slavery. And all of a sudden he reappears that many years later as the second most powerful man in the world, the viceroy over Egypt. What would you do? What would happen? So, Seemingly, the brothers would be terrified. They would bolt. They would run away. They would be afraid of Joseph's revenge. Remember, like Jacob had to bolt from Asaph. So, um, so Joseph's thought process was better that Jacob should think he is dead. Better Jacob should think that he has died than to see his sons fighting together, than to see conflict and rift in the family. And the only way to, uh, to resolve this was for Joseph to orchestrate the entire drama he did, which was essentially a process of having the brothers do tshuva, of having the brothers realize what they'd done to him, realize their mistake, and in a sense, repent for what they had done to get them to that place. How does he do it? Throws them in jail, like Joseph was thrown in jail. Then uh, we talked about this in part one. Uh, he plants the money in their bag. And 
makes it even more difficult for them to uh, come back down to Egypt. And when the money, uh, when they're thrown in jail, what do they say? We are guilty. This is happening to us because we are guilty. We've done wrong before God. We didn't hear our brother's cries calling out to us. Um, now, uh, if you look in the Torah text, we don't see Joseph crying out, but we know the Torah doesn't give us every piece of narrative. And But the problem here is they did tshuva on the fact that they didn't have mercy on Yosef, but they didn't repent on the fact of having excluded him from their family. They didn't say what they did was wrong. They said, we should have, have had mercy. And we mentioned this, that um, even if the brothers felt they were right, that Joseph was a threat to the family, they could have simply kept him at bay. One against 10, the younger brother, uh, they didn't have to go to such extremes. So they did a partial tshuva at that point. Then when they find the money, God has given, done this to us. We have, uh, this is being done to us uh, because of what we have done to Joseph. And then uh, something very peculiar happens when Joseph sends them back with the money. Remember, Shimon is in prison. Uh, they kept one brother in prison. And the brothers are going to have to redeem themselves by bringing down Benjamin and protecting Benjamin because Jacob cares about him so much. So the litmus test of how, do they have a different attitude towards Yosef will be, do they have a different attitude towards Benjamin, towards the children of Rachel? Will they be willing to put their necks on the line for one of the children of Benjamin? Um, because as the story unfolds, Joseph then sets up Benjamin and uh, plants a silver goblet in his bag and he is caught stealing and now will be enslaved his whole life. So the litmus test is how will the brothers, will the brothers speak up for Benjamin? That will be the ultimate test of whether they have learned from what they did. There's another factor that has to be mentioned. There's a very peculiar detail. Remember, the Torah's details are all there for a reason. It says that when they were traveling out of Egypt after being accused of spies, they opened up the bag, one of them opened up his bag, and the money that they paid for the wheat was in the top of the bag. And this made them even more scared and concerned, because as we said, it would be more difficult to go back down with Benjamin and free Shimon. So, um, and then... When they get to Jacob, they unload the rest of their bags, and at the bottom of their bags, the other nine find money. Why did Joseph plant the money in the top of one bag and the bottom of the others? This is, Joseph is a master director. He is directing a drama uh, which is meant to play out on so many levels. Think about it. First, he wanted the brothers to discover the money without Jacob there so they could air out their own feelings of guilt. What was the association with Joseph? Why, when they were accused of spies and now found the money, did they say this happened to us because of what we did to Joseph? So there was a measure for measure of being thrown into prison. And there was also Egypt, simply the fact that they were down in Egypt where Joseph was sold into slavery. So you go back, go to the place which reminds you of your misdeed. Now, that's the first step, to get them to flush it out between them without Jacob being there. The second step is that when they get to Jacob, they find the money. 
Now the test is going to be on Jacob. And uh, one of the commentaries says this, that Jacob also had to do tshuva. The Talmud says that he was wrong to favor Joseph over the other brothers, that it caused all of this discord and all of these problems. So Jacob now uh, has to let go of Benjamin, the other son of Rachel, to go save Shimon. Not willing to do it. So now he had valid reasons not to do it. You've got this crazy viceroy who's framing them, already has one in prison. He says, I've lost Joseph, I've lost Shimon. Now you're going to take away Benjamin from me. But then the grain runs out and they go to their father. Are we going to starve? And he finally relents and let them, lets them take Benjamin. And so here we have um, Jacob also evolving beyond his favoritism for the sons of Rachel. And that will be part of the process of tshuva. And even if he doesn't do it on the front end, let them go down with Benjamin. On the back end, when he's forced to, he still does. He could have said, no, we're all going to starve here. He could have said, no, go without Benjamin. Um, even though the brothers said we would not do that. So this is the approach to say that Joseph is orchestrating this drama to get the brothers into a realization of what they did to him and to get them to repent for it. And uh, several times Joseph almost cries. He can't hold himself back when they say, you know, our father is alive and Benjamin, uh, he cries. He runs out of the room, washes his face and uh, gets back his composure, very Hollywood. Uh, but it was true. And then when he finally reveals himself, we'll talk about this next week, it says he could no longer hold himself back. And he finally spills the beans and says who he is. And we will see this next week. But uh, we hope this has helped us to understand on a deeper level what was going on between uh, why Joseph was uh, setting up his brothers why he didn't tell Jacob, and he had to go through this entire nine-year process to be able to set up what he needed. And um, eventually we will see that uh, Joseph does achieve most of his goals, uh, but tune in next week because it's not clear that Joseph was finished with his task, with the drama that he had set up. Have a good evening. And uh, hope you uh, find more meaning in the Parsha through these uh, teachings.